Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. I'm excited about this. I'm glad you're here. I have a special guest today, and I just want to jump right in. His name is Larry Goins. He's a friend of mine. I remember when I was getting started in real estate, watching Larry's webinars, reading his books, going through his Filthy Riches course, and I really, really looked up to Larry, and I still do, <laughs> even though... <laughs> I was about to say, what's changed? <laughs> Larry is now a good friend. Uh, we're in the same mastermind together. And Larry is just a down-to-earth, genuine guy. I don't know very many other people that care as passionately about his students, about his business as he does. Larry still does a ton of deals. He's very active in real estate, and he does a lot of deals virtually. Larry, I remember you doing those webinars way, way back. I'm not, and maybe it's not that long. It was like 10 years ago. And um, you would do these webinars, and you would show – all these different bookmarks on your browser that you would go to to get properties, to do property research, to make offers and all that stuff. Do you still do that? You know what, man? It's kind of funny. Even I was even doing that before it was webinars. When it yes. was teleconferences, I would have to give out the links verbally, right? Oh, yeah. I, I yeah. remember feverishly writing down notes like, oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're giving away so much good stuff. But how are you, Larry? Man, I am good. How about yourself? Doing really good. I'm awesome. And uh, I hope we, that if we have technical difficulties here, we will just pick it up from where we left off. So I want to dive right in, Larry. You're in uh, Charlotte, South Carolina area, right? Well, I'm, Char uh, I'm right across the state line. I'm in South Carolina, right across the state line from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm in a, in a little town called Lake Wiley, South Carolina which you will be coming to next week. I know. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. I actually, we're going with, uh, I'm going with Sean, Sean, a friend of ours, mutual friend. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I can't wait to give him a hard time on the flight. I already got some uh, practical jokes. I'm going to, I got scheming in my head. I'm going to, I'm going to do to him. <laughs> That's awesome, man. We're looking forward to having you guys. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, good. I, um, thanks, Larry. The, um, You've been around for a long time. You've been doing deals for a long time, and you've been teaching for a long time. When did you get started in real estate? You know what, Joe? That's a funny story. I've been doing real estate over 30 years. My wow. very first deal was 1986. It was an FHA, non-qualifying, assumable loan. And yes, they used to have those. You could simply contact FHA. You could get the paperwork. Right, They had to mail it to you. You filled it out, signed your name, and you could assume a loan, and they never even pulled your credit. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. They stopped those in 1978, I believe. And uh, there was still a few of them left over in the 90s until eventually all of them paid off. But, why, uh, why did but they yeah, change, that was my first deal. Why did they change that? Do you remember? There was a lot of abuse. People just taking over the loan. They weren't they – weren't, personally liable you know for the loan and a lot of people started taking over the loans they would collect rent and never make a payment so they stopped that wow yeah that I heard people also I heard people also used to like assume it multiple times 
And, yeah, you and could. Sometimes you it was could, it was hard yourself. to find. You'd hard. It was hard to find who actually had the mortgage anymore. <laughs> well, you know that is the government for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thirty plus years ago, and. Did how did how did you get started? Was it um, a late night infomercial or something? You know, it really was. It was it was back in the mid eighties, and I uh, I went to a uh, I saw an infomercial on TV from a guy named Tom Vu V U. Oh, you remember yes. him? Yes, yeah. So <laughs> well, you can see his uh, YouTube. He's got a bunch of videos on YouTube. It's he does. He used to have this uh, infomercial of him standing on the front of a yacht bunch of girls around him in bikinis and his infomercial was you know i come to america with no money if i can do real estate you can do real estate come to my seminar <laughs> oh, i'm looking at it right now it's hilarious that's funny i was there man i went to the i went to the preview then i signed up for the three day and uh, you know the rest is history so i don't only teach this stuff like you i'm i'm a firm believer in education He's got a video here called "You Deserve to Be Broke." <laughs> <laughs> um, is he still around? What's he doing these days? Last you know? I heard, he owned some pizza pizza shops. You know, he was he owned a bunch of pizza pizza shops, maybe in Florida or something. Did he get in trouble with the government, the FCC, or something? Uh, maybe so. I don't know. I think a lot of those guys did way back in the day. Oh my gosh! There's even a, a Family Guy parody of. Tom Vu. Really? Yeah. That's the cartoon funny. Tom Vu. That's funny. <laughs> so, wow. And if any of you are curious to know what we're talking about, just go to YouTube and do a search for Tom Vu, V-U. And uh, he's got these videos on there with a lot of bikini women behind him. <laughs> That's going to uh, get so, him to search now, Joe. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> but here you go. You, you're out there. You're watching late night infomercial from some guy. And... Uh, you 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 drink the Kool-Aid, I guess, right? But look where you are now. I mean, maybe it was a good thing you saw that infomercial back then, do you think? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, listen, I've never been an academic person. I uh, I made C's and D's in school. And in fact, as soon as I could get on the, I called it the work release program, <laughs> where where you could leave school early to go to a job. That's what I did. And I worked two jobs. Uh -huh. I drove a school bus, you know, and then I also I also worked a, a, a job, a second shift job. And in fact, I, you know, I, I bought and paid cash for my own car. And I remember years ago when my mom and dad wanted to buy a house on the lake, I actually loaned them the down payment for it because I was working all the time and saving my money. Okay. Yeah. Well then, what what kind of real estate were you doing? Were you were they teaching wholesaling or lease options or owner financing back then in the eighties? You know, it's it's kind of crazy. You know, there was no RIA groups. There was not a lot. There there wasn't any real estate investors association. There were only a few people back then doing real estate seminars, like Robert Allen, Tom Vu, and uh, you know a, a couple of other ones. There were some late night infomercials. Uh, but but that was about it. There wasn't a whole lot out there. You know, I went and got my real estate license. Then I eventually got my contractor's license. I started building houses. And, um, you know, I did a couple fix and flips. I didn't really like that. And uh, and I got into wholesaling. 
And uh, years ago, probably back in the 90s, I wholesaled a house that I'd never seen before. Mm. Yeah. And I was able to buy it and sell it. And I never met the seller. I never met the buyer. I didn't attend the closing. And I'm thinking, wow, wait a minute. I just did this deal by phone, fax, FedEx, email, and internet. I got to figure out how to do that again. And that's when I wrote the book, Getting Started in Real Estate Day Trading, How to Buy and Sell Houses the Same Day Using the Internet. And when was that? What year was that? Uh, I wrote that book back in uh, 2000, maybe six, seven, something like that. And that was your first book? That was my first book, yeah. Wow. Okay. Available wherever books are sold. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that book. I don't know if I ever bought it, but um, you've written several books since then. Uh huh. So, Larry, talk about. Let's talk about what you're doing today. Uh, You're doing. You've been doing deals virtually for a long time. I mean, you're probably one of the original people that I I can think of that been doing deals virtually outside of your market long before it became popular. Talk about that a little bit. Would you like? How did you get the idea that you could actually start wholesaling deals in you know in cities that were a couple hours away from you? Yeah. Well, that very first deal. You know, I, I was putting out bandit signs and I was, you know, putting out bandit signs and doing a little direct mail and stuff. But I got a call from a lady named Rochelle and Rochelle said she saw one of my signs. She was passing through town and she said, I have a house over in whatever the name of the town is. I can't even remember the name of the town, but she said, I house, have a house over there. And she said, my grandmother gave it to me and she was wanting $15,000 for it. So, you know, it, it was three or four hours away. I mean, at that time, I was an only parent. My wife had just passed away. My daughter was four years old. And so I was working a full-time job and and, and I was trying to do real estate on the side. And, and, you know, I mean, because I'd done construction and done some other stuff in and out of real estate. But I did this deal. I made her an offer of $2,500. I mean, can you believe she didn't hang up on me? Right. Wow. She was yeah. 15000 And the house had a couple of tenants in it that were hardly ever there. So she called me back a couple of days later and she said, Larry, if you'll give me $3,000, I'll take it. So I had her send me some pictures. And uh, I mean, she got one of those little disposable cameras, went over there, took some pictures. I had to go to CVS and have the film developed, right? <laughs> you know, this, is, this was years ago before people used to email pictures and stuff like that. But, um, but, but yeah, so, so she sent me the pictures. I'm like, okay, here's the name of my attorney. You call her up and uh, and and find out when to go over there and and sign the papers and collect your money. So that's what she did. And then I got to thinking, well, you know, I, I, what am I going to do with this house? I've never seen the house. I mean, she was asking fifteen. I paid her three. I probably can't get hurt. So I sent out some emails to some local realtors in the area, and I said, I'll take fifteen thousand dollars for this house, and I'll pay you a three thousand dollar real estate commission. Wow. Now, $3,000 is the same as a 3% on a $100,000 house. So I figured, you know, hey, you know, it'll go pretty quick. And and a bunch of realtors emailed me back, you know, hey, yeah, I can sell it for you. Here's a listing agreement for six months. I don't want to wait six months. I want to move this thing right now. So one agent emailed me back and they said, for $12,000, I'll just buy it myself, <laughs> right? <laughs> so... <laughs> So I get the paperwork in the mail from an attorney in FedEx with a return FedEx envelope. I sign it. I send it back. 
The next day, I get another FedEx with a check for twelve thousand dollars. Wow! And that was the deal I mentioned at the beginning. I'm thinking, wait a minute. I just bought this house. I never met Rochelle. Never met the tenants. Never, never met the buyer. Never went to the closing. I did all my business by phone, fax, FedEx, email, and internet. And I got to figure out how to do this again. So, so then, what did you do then after that to kind of grow and do more deals like that? Yeah, I started figuring out how to how to automate, how to systematize. I read books, Joe. This was way back. I read books like Hypergrowth. I read books like Business at the Speed of Thought by Bill Gates. I remember that, And yeah. just a lot of books like, like uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, who ended up writing the foreword for my book, Getting Started in Real Estate Day Trading. Really? Uh, yeah, he wrote the foreword to it because I sent him a manuscript and I said – and I told him, I said, Michael, I have E-Myth Real Estate where you can create a business out of it instead of a job. And uh, he read the manuscript. I said, would you write me a quote? And he actually called my office and said, wow, Larry, you have e-missed real estate. How about I write the foreword for you? Wow. And that's what he did. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I did not know that. Yeah. All right. So then um, what are some of the automation and tools that you started using? What well, I'm curious to know, like, how has that kind of changed over time as well? Like, let's, let's, uh, before we talk about what you're using today – what were some of the things you started using back then before there was – I don't think Zillow was around back then, was it? No, no. In fact, it's like I used to say phone, fax. Who uses fax anymore, right? Yeah, I don't know. Nobody. Yeah. Phone, fax, FedEx, email, and internet. We, we, you know, Now you can docusign everything, right? Sure. Yeah. We used to use FedEx. They used to FedEx us the docs. We would uh, have a notary in the office or – or uh, go to the bank and sign stuff in front of a notary and FedEx it back. We don't even do that anymore. Now what we do is they either DocuSign it, send it to us to sign via DocuSign, or write signature, one of those, or we just give the attorney a limited POA to sign for us. Okay. Do you ever use uh, mobile notaries? You know, it's very, very rare we have to do that. The only time you really have to use a mobile notary is if you have a seller that maybe doesn't have email or they don't know how to figure out DocuSign oh. and you have to have a mobile notary hand deliver the documents and get them to sign it and they notarize it and then they send it back to the attorney. Okay. So you might do a, if you're buying a house 200 miles away, are you saying right. you will close on it at a title company at that, in that city? Yeah. No, what we try to do now, now we have done deals in 12 different states, but I focus on the Carolinas. Okay. So we have an attorney in North Carolina, and we have an attorney in South Carolina that will cover the whole state. They have abstractors that they can reach out to in about any county to pull title. And then we use the same attorney or title company in, you know, like one in North Carolina and one in South Carolina, and they cover the whole state. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And, and those details, you just leave it to them to figure out, right? It's not even you don't even worry about that. Yeah, yeah, I've got a I've got a girl that does closings. She makes $250 to do a closing. And then I've got the acquisition guy. He's dealing with the seller, keeping keeping the seller pushed along. And then I've got a sales guy, Dan, and he's selling the property, so he's pushing the buyer along. Okay. So between the three of them, they all have a vested interest, so they're pushing the deal to get it closed. Right. 
Well, let's. We go have back. two deals right now. One of them that has title issues that has a. Um, for some reason, they can't find an old mortgage that was paid off years ago that was still showing as outstanding. So they're working through that process right now. And believe me, everybody in the office is pushing and making phone calls to previous attorneys and banks and lenders wow. trying to get everything they need to try to get that deal closed so they can all get paid. Wow. Okay. Well, let's talk about 10 years ago. This was 2008. How are you finding your deals then? Great question, man. Great question. I was doing a lot of MLS and a lot of HUD, right? Okay. Yeah. Back then, you know, in in like seven, eight, nine, the market started tanking. Yeah. And there was a lot of foreclosures out there. The real estate market was down. But man, I'm I'm telling you, like nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Those were some of my best years. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a ton of deals. I mean, I remember one December. I think this was in 2012. In uh, December, 2011, 12, 13, somewhere around there. December, we bought 23 HUD houses in December. Just HUD, wow. right? Well, yeah. And there was yeah. no. What, was there just no competition back then, or what? What, what made you? How, why was it so easy? It's before I wrote the book about buying HUD uh -huh. houses for pennies on the dollar. That's right. Okay. Because <laughs> you did teach the entire I world. I like to think that's why. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. So, but it was easy. There wasn't much competition. And then um, people started, more people started doing it. Yeah. But yeah. And listen, I'll be the first one to tell you if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's not. Even in the book, I give people a spreadsheet they can use to, to help analyze the deals. It has links to Zillow, links to Trulia, links to HUDHomeValue.com, HUDHomeStore.com. All they have to do is export the list from, from HUDHomeStore.com, import it into the spreadsheet, and start analyzing deals. And then have a VA sit in front of the computer for an hour or two a day and put in bids. Yeah. That's all you have to do with HUD. But there's a lot of people out there that won't take the time or energy to follow through and do anything. And do even that. Right. All right. So um, back then when the market was crashing and everybody's running to the hills and freaking out, were you holding these properties or were you wholesaling them, flipping them? You know, we were doing primarily wholesaling and that's what we still do today. We went through a time when we were primarily seller financing properties. Um, but you know, the thing with seller financing properties is if you do enough of them, you are a dealer. Then you end up paying taxes. And and I don't want to pay any more taxes than I have to. I uh -huh. want to pay my fair share, but not anymore. So right. now what I do is I seller finance in retirement accounts and I wholesale everything outside of retirement accounts, unless I'm just going to keep it. If I'm going to keep it as like a lease option property, which we do some of those, you know, I, I'll keep it outside of a retirement account. But if I'm going to sell or finance it, it's going to be in, in a retirement account. So I don't have to worry. I say retirement account like an IRA or a 401k yeah. or even an HSA or ESA. So that's a tax advantage account. So that way I don't have to worry about the dealer status. So why would you do seller financing in a self-directed account but not a lease option in a self-directed account? 
I could do a lease option in a self-directed account. I absolutely could. There's a lot of people that will tell you don't own real estate in your retirement account. They'll say own notes in your retirement account. So I will do lease options and seller finance in both in retirement accounts. But if I'm going to sell or finance it, it's not going to be outside of a retirement account. Okay. So the big key is you don't want to have dealer status inside of an IRA, self-directed account, right? Uh, yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah. That is a, Now, you can have dealer status inside of a retirement account. You can have a, you know, you can buy and sell, buy, sell, buy, sell, but just understand you're going to pay what's called UBIT, unrelated business income tax. Right. Which UBIT is not bad, you know, because even after you pay the tax, your profit is still in the retirement account. Right. Sure. Yeah. But there's other ways to do it. I mean, just just, you know, guys, seek seek wise counsel on something like that. Find somebody that knows what they're doing that can that can help you if you're going to start flipping a bunch of houses in your retirement account. I mean, I was talking to somebody just the other day that was doing some things and I'm I'm thinking to myself, man, I. Listen, anything will work until you get caught, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but just, you know, I mean, that, that's one way to put it, right? You know, people say, can I do this? Can I do that? What about this? Well, you know, anything will get, get anything will work. And I say until you get caught, you know, but really what I should say is anything will work until you're challenged, right? Until somebody challenges you. Sure. Once somebody challenges you, then you have to be able to, to prove your case and all that, you know, whether it's, you know, it's an IRS audit or a lawsuit or whatever, you know? There's a lot of self-directed IRA companies out there. You don't have to tell us who you are using now if you don't want to, but my, my other question is, like, how many different IRA companies have you used in the past or maybe thought were good but then turned out to be horrible? Because I hear so many horror stories of certain IRA companies that, every, you know, it was awesome, everybody's raving about them, and then you know, six months later, everybody's complaining about them. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? It, it, it really does. And most of what you're probably talking about are the people that are promoting the checkbook IRAs and stuff like that. They're not even really IRA custodians. They're promoters that, that sell you on a checkbook IRA or something like that and charge a lot of money. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I have those as well. You know, I've used trust IRA trust. I've used IRA LLCs. But you got to make sure you do it the right way and set it up the right way. For example, every uh, there's a lot of promoters out there, Joe, you know this, that will tell you, oh, you can have checkbook control over your IRA. Well, let me tell you something. If you set up a checkbook IRA and you are the member or your IRA is the member and you are the manager and you're signing everything, you know, like I said before, anything will work until you're challenged. You, If you're going to do it, do it the right way. And your IRA should be the member, yeah. but you should have an unrelated, non-disqualified person to be the manager and sign everything. Okay. That's very important. Very important. But we are not experts, so we're not giving you tax advice. <laughs> right. Is we're not a- giving any kind of legal or tax advice. Seek your own professional. Is there a good <laughs> IRA company you recommend right now to people? Uh, there's three I like. Okay. Okay. There's three I like. Uh, the biggest one is equity trust. Now equity trust has had a lot of, uh, grief over the years about they're slow to respond and, you know, they take a long time and stuff like that. They have gotten better. In fact, now they have a portal where they can, you can log in 
and have them issue a check to like a uh, a repair person or to pay a utility or pay a bill or something. So they do have that as well. So Equity Trust, which is trustetc.com. The second one I really like is Quest IRA. Quest IRA, they're based in Texas. They're nationwide. I know uh, Quincy, the owner, very well. Quincy Long, he's a good guy, good friend, and uh, they're really good to work with. Anne-Marie is my uh, account manager. She's really sharp. And um, also, uh, I like Camaplan, C-A-M-A-P-L-A-N.com. And I know Carl Fisher, the CEO of Camaplan. In fact, Cama, the name, comes from Carl and Maria, his sister. So Carl and Maria, they started Camaplan. And uh, Carl's a good friend of mine. He and his wife and my wife and I have been on many vacations together, been deep sea fishing together down in the Caribbean many times. And uh, he's a great guy and he knows a tremendous amount about self-directed investing. Okay, cool. Let's go back to finding deals, Larry. You know, things were really hot and easy to find. Excuse me. It was relatively easy back then to find deals on the MLS or on HUD. Right. Then it got more challenging, but you're still finding deals on the MLS and HUD, right? Yes, uh, not as many on the MLS as HUD still. We, uh, we've got uh, somewhere between 12 and 14 deals on the board right now, and I think six of them are HUD houses. So we're getting anywhere from like three to six a month, something like that, from HUD. Not a lot. But, you know, still, like, like one of the deals we have on the board right now, it was listed for two ninety five, and then they dropped it to two sixty two, and they accepted our bid of one thirty three. Whoa. So, yeah. One thirty three. It's half, right? So, or just a little, you know, whatever, a little, little over yep. half. But still, one thirty three, we wholesaled that house. For 150 to a fix and flip investor, he's going to put about 25 in it, and then he's going to retail the house. Wow. Yeah. So we're still getting those kind of deals, but just here, here's the deal. And in my book, uh, HUD Homes Half Off, I talk about. I mean, like for example, Joe, I bid on every HUD house every day in North and South Carolina, every one of them. But guess what? I never buy one in Charlotte or in Columbia, or Raleigh, or Greensboro, you know, all the big major MSAs, all my houses that they accept my bids are in small towns outside of those areas. And why is that? It's because there's not a lot of people bidding on those houses, right? So they set on the market 30, 60, 90 days, they start dropping the price and they don't get any bids. And then all of a sudden they take my bid, right? Yeah. So then... um by the way, I'm at HUDHomestore.com website right now, and it says that site's going to be down from July 1 to July 4th. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. Every once in a while, they do some of that. They actually just changed all their asset managers about a year ago. And and like in North Carolina, all the properties went to zero for about a week or two, and then they started slowly adding. The new asset managers started slowly adding them. Wow. All right, so – you know, you're doing two or three HUDs a month, I think you said. Uh-huh. How many offers are you making a day on average in those two states to get two or three HUDs a month? All of them. No, like <laughs> – <laughs> I, right. I know. How many offers a day? 
Uh, well, in South Carolina, there's usually somewhere between 35 and 45 properties available at any given time. And in North Carolina, probably around 50 or 60 available. So we're making an offer on all those unless we've disqualified that property and said, we don't want this property at any price. Right. Yeah. And so you're buying these properties way out in the sticks and, uh, boy, well, right. not too far. One of our criteria is we want to look and see how far the local Walmart and Home Depot or Lowe's is. We don't want to be more than, than uh, 15 or 20 minutes from a Walmart or Home Depot. Interesting. Okay. And then uh, you're, these are, you're not going to look at the house or inspect them. You're just making offers, and if the numbers work, you're buying it? Well, here's what we do. Here's our model in a nutshell, okay? We, once we get a bid accepted – we go out and we send somebody out to look at it. Okay. It's either our sales guy or somebody local that we have go out. They go out and they take about a hundred pictures of the house. You know, every room, any repair areas, all mechanical items, all four sides of the house, any outbuildings or garages or carports, street view both ways. I mean, if there's a hole in the wall behind a door where a doorknob put a hole in the wall, we're going to have a picture of it. If there's a crack in the foundation, we're going to have a picture of it. If there's a stain on the ceiling, we have a picture of it, right? Yeah. And then what he does is he takes a video starting at the front door, walking in the house, walks you through the entire house. You know, this is the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. Here's the bathroom. Here's the first bedroom, second bedroom. And so we have that, those pictures and that video. And then while he's there, if, especially if it's our sales guy, Dan, we call him an asset manager, right? Because he disposes of the assets. Yeah. So if, if it's Dan, he's already taken about 25 or 30 signs with him that say handyman special. And he writes in the number of bedrooms and baths. It'll say like BD and BA for bed and bath. He'll write in like three bedroom, two bath. And then there's two blanks and two words. It's blank and it says worth and then blank and it says cash price. In other words, like it might say $250,000 worth and then it'll say, you know, $150,000 cash price. Wow. And that's, that's, so he, you'll, you'll start, um, how quickly will you close on the home? We try to close them on the same day. It doesn't always work out that way. Some of them we keep a couple of days. Some of them we keep a couple of weeks. Occasionally, we might have to hold one for a month or so. Like we have two right now that we're selling that the people actually got a conventional loan to, uh, to buy it. So it's taken them about 30 days to get all that through and close. You know, but I mean, we're not making a lot of money on the deal, maybe $15,000, but still, you know, it's a buyer and we're going to be closing on it. So that's okay. And we didn't have to do any rehab, which is key. Yeah. Larry, I, I, can we split this into two parts? Sure. Good, good. Because I know we're just scratching the surface. I want to ask you more about different types of ways you're finding deals, uh, but we are out of time and you got a meeting. I got a meeting. So Real quick, though, how can people get a hold of you? How can they get some of your books that, you were, that you've been talking about? Yeah, they could go to LarryGoins.com. There's some links on there where they can get a, a free copy of my uh, HUD Homes half-off book if they want it. If they want me to ship it to them, it'll be a little extra. But if you want just the digital download, it's free. It comes with my $4,000 spreadsheet yeah. that, uh, that I paid a guy to, to create 
to be able to keep track of all of our hub deals. But uh, LarryGoins.com, G-O-I-N-S. Yep. I'm looking at the site. looks really good. You can get a bunch of different information on your books, your training, and your materials. So you also have a podcast, right? I do. I actually have two of them. I have one called Bragg Radio, and Bragg stands for Be Rich and Generous, where we teach people how to invest in real estate and encourage them to go out and be generous and help others with their time and their resources. And then our other podcast, which you're getting ready to be on very soon, is called Brain Pick a Pro. It's Mm -hmm. all about us interviewing other people and sharing what they're doing in their own real estate business and in their own market. And I'm looking forward to getting you on Brain Pick a Pro. Yes, right. <laughs> we'll probably do it next next week. All right. So, um, Larry, I got a jet. I appreciate you taking the time. Guys, Larry's website is LarryGoins.com, G-O-I-N-S. We're going to schedule a part two. Talk. I want to dive deeper into this HUD strategy and uh, how he is buying them, how he's selling them. And how he's getting VAs, because VAs, his VAs are doing all of this, pretty much, making these offers for him. So how does he do that? Um, we're going to talk about some of the other strategies he's using to find his deals, how he's selling them, how he does this virtually, how he kind of keeps it all together because he's got so much going on. But uh, thanks again, Larry. I sure appreciate it. No problem. Thanks a lot for having me. I look forward to it, and I'll be seeing you next week. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you, Larry. See you guys later. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.